Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us online. If you would like to connect with us, we have a Facebook page, Instagram, and our website, which is heightschurch.org connect. Thank you so much for joining us today. Good morning. Oh my goodness, it is so good to see so many of you in here. I've known uh, all this time that we've been in two services, uh, how many of you come on a regular basis. We pray for y'all. Um, every week we get the opportunity to see both services, but man, when we're all in a room together, it does something awesome, doesn't it? Could you hear the person next to you singing? Right? If not, elbow them and say, hey, wake up, because that was pretty good stuff right there. It's really hard to follow a worship set like that one, isn't it? If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. I have the privilege today of getting to conclude our series on our core values. Now, we have said that a value... A value is something you believe that's important that produces an attitude or action in life. Now, I'm going to require a little bit of talk back this morning, okay, because I'm the student pastor. I'm allowed, right? So these students that just graduated, other than being able to go alphabetical by last name, what are some ways that they and their parents valued education so that they've hit this milestone? Can you think of a couple? You can yell them out. It's like youth ministry, right? They had to wake up to go to school. What else? They had to do homework. They had to study, right? Those tests don't just take themselves, right? Number two pencils and stuff, right? You see, there are values that each one of us has. We put it into every aspect of our life. It's almost like, like a, a rule that we, that we live our life by. Right? It's, it's these, these vital signs, these, these moments in our life that help us get where we need to go because there is a value that we have and it's something that impacts everything about us. You value your health, some of you. Some of you, yes. If you value your health, what are some things that results, actions, that you might take in order to show that you have that value. Exercise, that's number one, right? If you look at WebMD and you say, what do I need to do to be healthy? It's going to say, exercise and eat right. You know what's not on the list? Flossing your teeth. <laughs> Dr. Boyles, if you're in the room or watching online, I'm just saying. Didn't make the top four. You know what did make the top four of these values? You should floss, right? I'm not, I'm not hating on flossing. <laughs> Diet, exercise. You know what the other two are? Top four? Sleep. Anybody just hate sleep in the room? Sleep haters? No. I'm a night sleeper. I sleep at night. I love it. Every night, sleep. It happens, right? Number four, this one was really surprising to me. Do you know what it is? It's new. It's new. It actually passed some of the things. They would put hydration with diet, right? It's not washing your hands. 
It's relationships. It's community, y'all. Believe it or not, like you can look it up. It's all over the internet right now. Top four things you need to have a healthy life. It's diet. It's exercise. It's sleeping. And it's community. Now, I think this is really, really interesting. You see, the the World Health Organization said that since uh, quarantine, since the COVID pandemic, we learned a great deal about isolation, didn't we? We had to learn how to do things incredibly different. No matter where you are, no matter what your job was, no matter what was going on, there were things that were different. We learned what it was like to do life in isolation and... Yes, even the introverts in the room, it wasn't always pretty. The World Health Organization says that uh, mental health decline is up 25%. And that's a modest number compared to some of the other organizations, some of the other stats. We were meant to do life together. That's not just a part of our health. It's part of the the New Testament. When you see it over and over and over again, there's this concept, this picture of a church that's gathering together. One of the first examples of this is in the book of Acts, chapter 2. If you've got it, go ahead and go there. If you've got a paper copy of the Bible, if you've got an app, those are all good. We're going to read together. Acts 2, starting in verse 42, and we're going to stand for the reading of God's word, if you don't mind. Starting in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came on every soul in many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who are being saved. Pray with me. Father God, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word this morning as we gather together corporately, as we uh, dig into your word a little bit and look what it, what it means to be a connecting church. Father God, as we talk about this core value, I pray that we would all be impacted. I pray that there would be something uh, genuine that takes place in our life, a, a call for community. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you may be seated. I was going to make y'all stand the whole time. They did that in the New Testament, right? No? Okay. No, they really did. But I know that both of us in the room would probably really like it if I made everybody stand up. We could fit a few more people in here, though. So, here's the... Here's the thing. When we're looking at this passage, I think it's really important for us to to look at some of our core values as as vital signs, right? I went to the doctor recently, just kind of a routine checkup, and I know that everybody loves this, right? Anybody else go to routine checkups? No, some of you need to. Oh my goodness. Here's the thing. When I went in, first thing they did, it's my favorite part, 
Say, stand on the scale. They don't like it if you tell them no. So I stand on the scale, and the nurse is standing there, and she says, mm-hmm. So then I go into a room, and they put, like, some kind of a constrictor on my arm, start pumping it up, really uncomfortable. Well, what are you doing to my arm? I'm, I'm checking your vitals. I'm making sure you're okay. They put a little thing on my finger, make sure I'm bring it, breathing okay. Never figured that one out. Why does my finger tell you how good I'm breathing? I have no idea. And then last, they put the little thing on my chest. Look at their watch. What do you, what do you hear? Am I alive? Like, is it, is it happening? They write down a bunch of numbers and they say, well, you're pretty healthy, but you probably should diet and exercise, get a little bit more sleep. They hadn't caught up to the community part yet. They'll read the internet eventually. <laughs> but you see, there are certain vital signs that every single one of us has to have in order to have a healthy life. Did you know that Acts chapter 2 is a really interesting set of vital signs that happen to coincide with the core values of our church? You see, there are vital signs for you and I, our, our heart rate, our blood pressure, our O2 levels, our weight. I went there. We're Baptists and I'm talking about weight. But in the life of a church, there are things that are incredibly important as well, some vital signs that have to be in place if we're going to be healthy. And you know what's not on there? Size of the church. You can be a church of 2,000 and be healthy. You can be a church of 20 and be unhealthy. That can go the other way as well. You can have an incredibly large young population. You can have an incredibly large old population. That's not on there. Well, you would think it would. If you read any kind of, of article about what a healthy church is, they're going to talk about diversity. They're going to talk about different ages. They're going to talk about all of these different things. Well, according to Acts chapter 2... Those are not the vital signs that the early church thought were the most important. What were they? Well, here's what they were. A devotion to God's word. Dr. Luke is right here looking at the church, right? The author of the book of Acts, Dr. Luke, was Paul's physician, did a lot of stuff with uh, the Apostle Paul, Dr. Luke, looking at the church, describing and characterized what he thought a healthy church was. What was the diet and exercise like for that church? Well, he said that they're devoted to the Word, to the Apostles' teaching. We have that in God's Word for us. A healthy church with a solid vital sign is going to be devoted to God's Word, devoted to one another. Devoted to the breaking of bread. Now that, I believe, is a call for the church to take the Lord's Supper together. But it also, very clearly in this passage, means, get this, we're going to love it. Baptists, they ate meals together. Right? Yeah? Do I get an amen on that one or no? Yeah? We like meals. Devotion to prayer. Radical generosity. Constant interaction with one another. 
get this one, gathering corporately, it's what we're doing now, and also in smaller groups. Filled with awe and gladness and praise to God. Displaying an attractive faith. The last one, regular evangelism. If Dr. Luke was putting his hand on the pulse of our church, how do you think we measure up? I think that there are a lot of really good things that, that we do, and I'm not going to spend uh, any length of time uh, dismissing all of the positive things we do as a church, but we do have these core values of a church. We want to be a church that's engaging with God's Word, in, in acting in the spiritual disciplines, digging into God's Word, praying for one another, Right? We want to be a church that serves. We don't want to be a church that's just for uh, in our community. We want to be a church that's for our community. We want to be a church that shares because we don't believe that the good news is supposed to stop at me. If it's really good news, I'm going to tell you about it. I might think that the new Marvel movie is awesome, and guess what? If I thought it was awesome, you'd probably know about it. Why? Because I value Marvel, and it brings an action. See what I did there? If we believe that the good news of Christ coming and dying for our sins, radically changing our lives, is so important, then that's a good news message that has to be shared. You see, we as a church, these core values, engaging in God's word, serving our community, sharing the good news, the last one, and I love it, is connecting. We want to be a church that is connecting, filled with community. Unlike anything else, what makes a church unique is rarely the preaching. It's not likely to be the student ministry as much as I would like to say it was. It's not the counseling program. It's not the children's ministry, special needs ministry. Those are all great things to have. What makes a church is individuals coming together with some unified message. Did you catch in Acts chapter 2 they had all things in common? Now, we could get nitpicky on this. Do you really think they had all things in common? Pr probably not, right? What's it saying here? It's saying when they have all things in common, there is a, a common, a core value, something that radically defines them where if you said, hey, what's the most important thing in life? In unison, they would say the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. They might have liked different brand of clothing. They might have liked different food. They might have had a different opinion about a different school or a different way to get an education. They might have had different views of politics. They may have had a different understanding of taxation. They may have had all of these different things, these different views, but what they had in common was that good news that was meant to be shared. And what I love about our core values is they're not individualistic. Every single one of them bleeds into the other one. As a matter of fact, this being the closing of this series, I found myself getting frustrated because for the last three weeks, Pastor Lee was preaching my sermon. <laughs> you see, they go hand in hand together. When we're talking about sharing the good news, guess who we do that with? One another. 
when we're serving the community with one another. Yeah? When we're engaging God's word together. That's right, with one another. Did you know over a hundred times in the New Testament is the phrase one another? Over a hundred times. Most of the time it's talking to the church specifically. In almost every account it's talking to the church specifically saying that we're supposed to get this, love one another. Be unified with one another. Treat one another how we want to be treated ourselves, right? Encouraging one another. It's the most common, almost all of them. It's like 90% of them are in those four things. We're not going to talk about greeting each other with uh, a holy kiss or anything like that. But here's the thing. When we're looking at this, there is this important picture of the Christian life. It's not supposed to be Lone Ranger Christianity, it is so common on social media for people to say, well, you don't really need a church. All you need is a Bible and a pen. No, you need a church. You need a body of believers that can come together with a unified message, with a unified purpose, with a unified vision saying we want to serve. We want to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ. Why? Well, because God's word tells us to because we love our community and they need it, because it's good news that's meant to be shared, and because there is a group of people that are helping you and encouraging you and loving you and unifying you along the way. According to Acts chapter 2, a connecting church is captivated. We're captivated by what God is doing in the life of other people. We're captivated by what God is showing us through the teaching of his word. We're captivated by all of the things that we see going on around us. You see, a, a church that is going to be connecting, a church that's going to have this rich community, is connected, they're captivated. But not only that, a connecting church is committed. They're committed to a specific cause. There's action that's required, right? A value that's just stated isn't really a value, right? That's the whole point of this series. It's a value is when there is an action that takes place. If we are going to be a church that is a connecting church, there has to be some sort of a commitment in Acts chapter 2. They have all things in common. They start taking care of one another's needs. Now, I thought of a couple of examples. One of them is very personal in my life. Um, most of you know this. I adopted my daughter with my wife, Brittany. And did you know that we didn't make enough as a youth pastor and a school teacher to be able to afford adoption? We didn't. No, this church, this community came in and blessed us in incredible ways and made it where we were financially able to adopt our baby girl. You bought cookies. You donated things for a garage sale. There was so many nights that my wife and I would sit there and cry because we didn't think it was possible to get that much money to do this thing that we felt like we were supposed to do. 
And then an incredible member in our church would pull us over on a Sunday in the parking lot of the church and give us a check and say, felt like God was telling me you needed this. This is for the adoption. I can't tell you how many times there were so many of you that blessed us in so many incredible ways. You want to know what a connecting church is? It's that. It's your best friends in the world willing to take a pie to the face. <laughs> or lots of pies to the face. <laughs> but it's not just a, a selfish thing. This church is an incredibly communing, uh, communing church, right? This is a, a church that when it came to the hurricane... Hurricane Harvey, this church in a huge way stepped up to the scene. And one of the things that I loved about it, this is a really big push for life groups in this church. Did you know who got taken care of first in this body of believers? People that were involved in a life group. There are only so many ministers to go around, but every single life group took action from young adults to senior adults. It doesn't matter who the teacher was. It doesn't matter how big or how small the group was. When the flood water came in, this church stepped up in a huge way. And then besides that, they gave thousands of dollars in gift cards to help people in the area that had been unable to get groceries, unable to afford things financially. This was a church that sacrificially was giving and loving and serving. But it's more than that. You see, a, a, a Christian church, a connecting church is committed when you have those components in place where you're captivated, you're passionate about what God is doing in your midst, and you're committed to the cause, the third one is this, a connecting church is contagious. Now, I know we're not supposed to use the word contagious, right? That's still, it's like one of the words that I'm pretty sure at some point I was given a list of words not to say from the stage. That might have been one of them, especially on this Sunday, right? But a connecting church is contagious because, get this, community is contagious. It's contagious when you get in a point where there's people that are helping you through the hardest times of your life. It's contagious when you see somebody that is so passionate about something. I'm going to go back to Marvel, the movies. If somebody that works with me in my office says that movie was incredible. There was a passion in their voice and there was a contagion that took place because I went from being indifferent about the movie well, to now I got to see it. Y'all following me? Well, I think that when it comes to church, we're the exact same way. If we're going to have a contagious Christianity, if we're going to reach the community, yes, we want to have a good theology. We want to be grounded in God's word. We want to be serving the community. But ultimately, when we're doing all of these core values, it'll be contagious. So just for a minute, 
Let's check our vital signs, will you? What does it mean for a church to be engaging? Well, it means that you're devoted to the Word of God. An engaging church is where we desire everyone to personally grow in their relationship with God. Consider these questions and think how you do. Are we an engaging church? Do you understand the gospel? That Christ came, died for your sake, for mine, for the sake of the community. Are you sitting under the teaching of God's word regularly and humbly? Are you teaching the word of God to others? If you're not, there's a really good spot in the student ministry for you. Are you devoted to the teaching of God's word like Acts 2 says? Checking our vitals. Core value and engaging church. I think for the most part, I think we do pretty good. Serving church. We desire a church not just in our community, but for our community. Think so? Do you have a strong desire to help those in need in this body and in the community? Do you act on it? What would your bank statement say about how generous you are? What about your calendar? When was the last time that you broke a sweat for the kingdom of God? Are you sensitive to the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ? What about the community? This one's hard. Do you listen? Checking our vitals for a second. Are we a sharing church? Are we a sharing church? Are we somebody that says the good news is not just for us in these walls, but do we leave the walls with the good news and say this is for the community? This is for the lost. Here's the questions that I have for that. We desire not just to know the good news of Jesus, but to share the good news of Jesus. Do you desire to see the lost come to faith in Christ? At this church, we have a thing that's called a four-by-four strategy. The four-by-four strategy says that you have four people that don't know Jesus that you pray for four times a week, and you invite them to four events throughout the year, and you share the gospel with them. You have a gospel-centered conversation with them. Do you have a fully stocked four-by-four? When was the last time you invited somebody to church and just said, hey, Come and see what God's doing at Heights. It's a type of evangelism that in the student ministry I call Andrew evangelism because the disciple Andrew was the one who went to his brother Simon and said, come and see what this guy's doing over here. Are we engaged in Andrew evangelism? And last week, pastor talked about Philip's evangelism. When was the last time you had a gospel-centered conversation with somebody who doesn't have a relationship with Christ the way that Philip went up to the Ethiopian eunuch? Checking your pulse. How are we doing? 
How are our vital signs looking so far? And as far as a connecting church, if we were looking at that, we believe the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone. Do you have fellowship with God through Jesus? A connecting church begins with that passionate relationship, does it not? Are you working at building deep relationships with others in the church? Do you love the idea of community more than the actual people in the church? Do you have believers in this community that you do life with? Do you arrive early enough? This is stepping on some toes. Do you arrive early enough to interact with people on Sunday? Or are you that ninja that likes to slip in late and excuse yourself as soon as the service is over? And then say, well... I don't have any friends there. I don't know anybody there. Are you worshiping and praying with your brothers and sisters? How do you think we did? You see, these are the core values of our church. They're supposed to bring about action. And when you're closing a series like this, it's so important for us to wrap our mind around if, if these are truly our core values and not just merely posters on a wall, not just something that found its way onto our website. If these are core values, there has to be action that takes place. Individually and corporately. If you are unable to say that you are an engaging believer, a serving believer, a sharing believer, and a connecting believer, then I think it's time for something radical to change in your life. The gospel that Christ came for the sake of the church, that he paid a price that I couldn't pay, Dead in my transgression, dead in my sin, he came in, called me by name, gave me a new name and a new life. Passionate about the gospel. It is the good news. It changes everything about who we are. Francis Schaeffer, the theologian, said that there are two things that typical people refuse to give up. You know what they are? Personal peace and personal affluence. When somebody's been radically changed by the gospel, get this, they get to a point where they're willing to give them both up. I don't have to go through life comfortable. I have to go through life obedient. I don't have to go through life with my wealth. I have to go through life obedient. We are called to be a connecting church. I'm going to pray for us. I want to thank you so much for watching today's message and just want to ask you an important question. And it's essentially this. Have you made a decision in your life to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life? You know, there's a man in the Bible one time that came up to Christ and said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And maybe today you're sitting there thinking that exact same thing. I know I have a lot of things in my life, but I'm not sure I have eternal life. I'm not sure I have the forgiveness of my sin that's promised by Jesus in the Bible. And Christ told that man, you have to follow me. And so that's what the Bible tells us, that in order to be saved, we follow Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. And to follow him means this, we trust him by faith 
We're trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ. By faith, we're trusting in His death, burial, and resurrection from the grave for the forgiveness of our sin. And so in order to start that relationship, place your trust and faith in Christ. I know a lot of people maybe overcomplicate it, but the Bible says what you do is pray. Just call out to the Lord. Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls out the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so I just want to encourage you right now where you are, if you're ready to begin a relationship with Christ, you can simply just bow your head and pray with me. Say, Dear God, I'm ready today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of my life. By faith, I trust in His death, burial, and resurrection. God, thank you for saving me from my sins and giving me eternal life with you. I want to invite you, if you've prayed that prayer with me, to let us know. You can go to heightschurch.org connect. And there on that connect page, you're going to see a little tab that says decision. You click that decision, fill out that information. That's going to come right to me and we'll be in touch with you no matter where you are because our mission here at Heights is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. So we want to just help you take that next step of faith. So go to heightschurch.org slash connect. Click that decision button and let us know that today you began a relationship with Christ. Till we see each other again, God bless.